Good morning and welcome. We, we decided to spend a couple of weeks talking about, uh, about being anchored in God. And Jim, Jim last week um, gave a great, great talk. It's on, on, the, um, on the, the podcast if you want to find it on the website. Uh, talking about knowing that God is the anchor for our souls and um, understanding that and trying to live in that um, really does help us feel firm and secure whatever else might be going on around us. And I wanted just to follow that on a little bit today and talk about some practical things that we can do kind of to help us in that sense. I don't know about you, but I went away last Sunday thinking, although we didn't speak specifically about sort of anchors in the community and wider apart, we're talking about our our own lives being anchored in God. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel that we're in a season in in our nation, possibly in our world, where where some of our traditional anchors um, that, we've, that we've relied on, I'm not talking about our relationship with God, but some of the other anchors around us seem to be a bit shaky at the moment. Um, and that can be a concern for, for everyone, and there's a lot of unease about that. Now, we know if we, if we believe, uh, if we've committed our life to following Jesus, we know that he is our rock, he is our anchor. But that's not the position that everybody enjoys. And so certainly as I move around, I see a lot of people feeling quite concerned about what's happening around our community. And so it's very important for us as a mess, as a church, to be able to convey that message that actually whatever else is going on, God is still God. And if we turn towards him, then we will find um, our, our, our firmness and security. So I don't think there's ever a more important time for us as a church to be active in conveying that message. So, of course, but to do that, we've got to ourselves learn and it is, a, it is a process, it's a lifelong process of ourselves learning how to be anchored in God because it comes and it goes. And so I wanted just to focus on that a little bit at the moment. But certainly around our political scene, I was saying to my son yesterday that I've sat through quite a lot of elections. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about the B word or anything like that. But I've, I've lived through a lot of elections and I'm interested in politics, as many of you will know. But I don't think I've seen a political campaign where so many untruths have been told, actually. And I've been, I've been doing a little bit of my own fact-checking because I don't even trust the fact-checking anymore. Um, and, uh, and it's not, not difficult within two or three minutes to discover some of the things that are being portrayed are just complete nonsense. So I find that quite concerning. I'm not a, a huge royalist particularly, but, but I kind of feel like... Um, you know, the royal family are trying to close the barn door after the horse has bolted. Something's happened. Uh, and that's uh, a concern for us. And then yesterday I was reading about how it's alleged that the BBC are um, editing some of their footage around that story and around other stories um, in a particular spin way. And again, that, the BBC, they don't do that. They just report it as it is, don't they? <laughs> apparently not so, so a number of kind of things that, we, that are kind of pillars for some of us that have been around a few years some of the things that we've, we've known as pillars just it feels strange and, and then look internationally what's happening in the, in the wider world and you know you think about like the Prime Minister of Israel being charged on fraud I mean the President of the, American, of the United States possibly being impeached I mean I, none of us know the truth about any of that and that's not the issue the issue is that these things that we tend to take for granted suddenly are very shaky so I just think uh, I feel the spirit of the Lord saying to me Stephen you know you've got to talk about how important it is for us to turn to God turn to the Father turn to Jesus and, 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 and get that message out there so that's really what I want to talk a little bit about today. 
Um, because the truth is this, is that once we've... Actually, let's look at, look at a scripture from Lamentations. Um, we're looking at being anchored. Um, great slide that Jim... I pinched his slide. It was a great slide. We're going to use that for this, this, this little mini-series. Lament, Lamentations. Great verse in Lamentations. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Love that verse. Just centers us a little bit, and it's a good way to think about it. And I like this, 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 this word here new every morning, and I'll come back to that in a moment or two, new every morning. I think that's really, really important to understand. Once we decide to put our faith and trust in the Lord, once we decide to follow Jesus, we begin to enter into a, into a place of liberation, really. You know, I don't know about you, but when I first uh, encountered Jesus and decided to commit my life to him, I suddenly felt liberated. We enter into this place of liberation. Um, it, a sense of being rescued from danger, really, actually. <laughs> a sense of being rescued from danger came over me. Um, and, and, and we live in this, as, 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 as believers, we live in a sort of multi-dimensional place of well-being, really. Okay? That doesn't mean that we're always well, but our narrative is well-being in all circumstances. Um, and this is a call in faith about life after birth. Okay? It's about life after birth. It's never just about life after death. The moment we commit ourselves to Jesus and follow him, we're ent we've entered into this wonderful place of life after birth, which will, of course, extend uh, beyond that which we're conscious of. But to benefit from this, we have to do our best to understand that we're anchored in God, and if we made a decision to follow him, we, we are anchoring our lives on him, and to anchor our lives upon him is, a, to me, a kind of daily process. To me, it's a daily choice. And I think a good way to do this, and perhaps we'll touch on this at the end, is to, is to choose every day, every day we wake up, um, to make a decision to place our trust in him. And this is a little prayer that I use. I've learned it over the years. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say that every single day I pray this prayer. If I don't pray it in these words every day, the intent of this prayer I pray, that I've got from the, the common prayer book. And I find it's a really great way to start the day. Almighty and everlasting Father, you have brought me safely to this day. Preserve me now by your mighty power that I may not go wrong or be overcome by adversity. And in all I do, direct me to fulfill your purposes this day. In Jesus' name. Really simple prayer. But it's a great way to start the day. Really great way to start the day. Because it's like it's like dropping the anchor. And I'm about to go out the door. <laughs> but I'm locked in. In that sense of being connected with him. So it's a prayer that we, we think is, 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 I think is good. And we'll share it again at the end. There's a great story in the Bible. I've been thinking about stories in the Bible this week that think about being anchored. And of course there's lots. But there's a great story in the Bible about a, a, a very well-known person. Um, and uh, who prayed, I think, the story tells me that he prayed this kind of prayer that I've just illustrated at the start of a particular day. He called himself a prophet and his name was Jonah. Okay. 
And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jonah this morning, something that we don't often do on a Sunday, but I want to talk about Jonah because it's a great little book and it's a great little story. Actually, what I love about it, it's full of comedy. I mean, it's really funny. It's a really funny story, um, but it's also very profound in the sense that it's got some pretty major points. Um, and so um, the book, when you open the book up and read it, and we're not going to go through it this morning, but it starts, with, um, it starts with an indication of what's about to come. You kind of think, I know where this is going. Um, and uh, Jonah prays and he hears from God so he does that kind of prayer that I just talked about probably got up one morning and said okay God anchored himself in the spirit and prayed that sort of prayer Um, now the book of uh, Jonah is said to be a prophetic book although actually there's really only one prophecy in it um, but it is a sort of prophetic book I guessed but he prays and he hears from God God tells him very clearly what it is that he wants him to do this day He has a sense of what his purpose is for that day. He's kind of locked himself in, so to speak. And of course, when you start to read the book, you expect that Jonah, being a prophet, is going to follow exactly what it is that God asks him to do. But of course, you know the story. He does the opposite. He does a runner. (laughs) He He does a runner, literally disappears in the opposite direction, making it quite clear that he really no longer wants to follow God. Or if he does, he's certainly not going to follow God in this regard and in this respect. So at this moment, in a sense, in the spirit, I think he sort of cuts himself loose from the anchor of God. And he does, of course, literally head out to sea. You know the story. He gets on a boat with a bunch of sailors and heads off as fast as he can in the opposite direction. So when you read this book, Jonah doesn't exactly come over as one of the great biblical heroes, does he? You know, he's not really a great hero. And that helps me because that helps me to identify with him and to get in the same sort of headspace that he might have been in. Um, So he hopped in the boat to flee from what God had asked him to do. And of course, we know that... uh, We know that, um, that, that he's ignoring God. And I don't know about you, and I want to try and relate this story to me, perhaps encourage you to relate this story to you. That's your choice. You may, you may not. Um, but the truth be known, I frequently ignore what I think God has explicitly asked me to do, if I'm honest about it. Frequently ignore what I think God has specifically asked me to do. Whether this is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, Instead, I opt sometimes for something that's much more convenient to me, okay? Or simply what feels right to me, as opposed to what it is that I know that God is really saying. Particularly in the area of acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. So perhaps God asks me to do something and I keep my head down because I'm afraid of what people might say if I were to do this thing that God has asked me to do. Afraid of the reaction. Perhaps it might be that I'm concerned about the consequences. Perhaps I'm fearful of what the outcomes might be. And so I begin, unintentionally but effectively, loosening myself from the anchor of God because I've decided that my way is more convenient or appropriate for me at that time. So, let's recap on Jonah's story um, and put our own situations, if we can, in your headspace, my headspace, put our own situations where we are in our life right now into this story. 
So he's no way going to do what God has asked him to do. So he heads for this boat. They go out on this boat, and you know what happens? There's an horrific storm. I mean, you know, you can imagine. Have you ever been on a boat in a storm? Yeah, it's pretty horrible, isn't it? It's pretty scary. Um, I can't say that I've been on the storm that's indicated here. But they go out on this boat, and they have a, they have a, a storm. And all the sailors and everyone on the boat think they're all going to die, and that seems fairly likely in the circumstances. So they decide to pray. I guess the story is indicating to us that the people that, that, that are on this boat are not necessarily followers of Yahweh, followers of God as we would understand, but they have their own gods. They have their own way of praying. Everybody prays. I say to everyone, you won't find anyone on a sinking ship that doesn't pray. Okay? You know, you're on a sinking ship. You're going to pray. So they were praying. What the story doesn't tell us is how or what they were praying. What we do, the story does tell us is that nobody was answering this prayer. Okay, so they turned to Jonah and they said, well, you're the so-called prophet. You pray. Maybe you've got a better line into God than we have, so you pray. Um, so uh, he prays. And as he's praying, he clearly gets this sense, whether God is speaking to him or whether it's his conscience or whatever, but he gets this sense that maybe this storm is my fault. Maybe I've brought all this on to myself and to everyone else because I've actually decided to ignore God. So he actually does the decent thing, <laughs> in a sense, in that he says to the sailors, look, I think this might be all my fault. So if you want to chuck me over, overboard, then, then maybe if you do that, the storm will, will stop. Well, they didn't need a lot of persuading, apparently. <laughs> so they tossed poor old Jonah into the sea, into the deep. And he's swallowed by a big fish. Now, this is the point at which you're probably saying to yourself, and I certainly say to myself, is this just a story? Is this just a, a prophet recounting a dream? Or did this really happen? Is it possible to get swallowed up by a really big fish, I guess a whale? And if you do, could you survive that experience or would you die? Now, from a scientific point of view, I guess people would say, well, this isn't really a real story, Stephen. You know, it's a story, it's a, it's a prophecy, um, it's an allegory, um, and get from it the truth of it. But don't focus too much upon whether or not um, he was swallowed by a whale, whether the whale spat him out. It probably is an allegory. If I was putting money on it, that's what I would say. But then I'm reminded that the story, the, think about it for a minute, the Bible is full of strange events that look like allegories, but actually turned out to be completely true and actually happened. So it's quite difficult to draw a line on this one. So I decided to do a little bit of research, and if you're a bit squeamish, you might not want to look at the next slide. But I discovered that like with a large whale, I don't know what they call them, blue whales do they, or something like that, a large whale, um, it's actually big enough um, um, for a person to swim through with their main arteries. So if you cut a whale in half and cut one of their veins in half, the veins are so big, you could actually swim through the vein. Okay? Now when I saw that, I thought, oh, is this an allegory? <laughs> anyway. It doesn't matter, okay? That's really what I want to say. It doesn't really matter whether, um, whether this actually... I better move that slide on, hadn't I? Um, I'll move, move back to one. It doesn't really matter whether this actually happened or not. The point is, is that, that 
that there's something really about this story that you and I can identify with in terms of our everyday life. And to me, that's the point. God is speaking to us through this verse. And I think, actually, it's a bit of a verse for this time that we're living in, actually. And I think it's quite important. So it doesn't matter what really happened to to Jonah. Um, But he did a really silly thing and ignored God. And then realizing this, he tries to put it right, but ends up in much deeper trouble. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Certainly familiar to me. Did a really silly thing. Tried to put it right, and all my life, now the brand stuff has really hit the fan. But he turns to God, and God answers him, so-called in the belly of the whale. And God always does. Jonah ignored himself, uh, sorry, ignored God. He cut himself from free from God's anchor. But God hadn't forgotten him and rescued him from the point of death. He will never leave us or forsake us. So I kind of think that's a bit like it is for us. We journey with God. We start to live in this liberated, free, and wonderful relationship that's only possible through him. And we seek to thrive regardless of all of our circumstances. Um, and we, 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 we long to remain anchored in him and to live in that place. But then we decide to um, ignore a sense of what God's saying to us. Even though deep down... We know that it's right. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where, where you've, you've thought, you've heard a little voice which says to you, you sure you want to do that? You sure this is a good decision? Do you want to take a little bit more time to think about it? What are the consequences for you and for others if you go down this route? Have you ever heard that little voice? <laughs> How many times have you ignored it? <laughs> A few, I suspect. Um, I certainly know that I have. We just do it anyway. Whether that's because of fear or whether it's because we want things our own way. Maybe we think that God will not answer our prayer. Maybe we think God will let us down. Even though we know we're anchored, do we really trust him? Do we really, really trust him? Especially if we've been praying and not had answers to our prayers. Shakes our trust. Shakes our trust. And so are there times when we let go, and in a sense, metaphorically, if not actually, head out in the opposite direction. Sometimes it's an action, sometimes it's a thought process. Sometimes we open up a channel of thinking that is not, we're not actually necessarily taking any action that's removing us from the anchor, but in our heads, the switch has already been flicked, and we're thinking down a different way. So whatever that leads us to, it might lead us to um, a big fish's belly. I don't know what your big fish's belly is in your life. Um, I could share with you sometimes some situations what has been mine. Big belly fish experience where I've really had to cry out to God and say, oh my life, I really have done it now. Really have done it now. What's yours? 
So it's an amazing and funny little story, but there's some profound truth in it. Um, we might, from our actions, cut ourselves free from God's anchor, thinking it's going to be okay, only to find out that we are actually in more trouble. But it's not often until we reach the point of, if I can use the term rock bottom, do we perhaps necessarily cry out to God, at which point we think, why didn't I, why didn't I cry out to you before? Um, and how many times have you journeyed in life with someone, and I guess it's something we would experience here in, maybe in the Connect Center, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, you can see that actually things are slipping away in their life. And there's not actually much you can do about it, because you know that if I talk to this person about this, they're going to say, no, I'm still anchored in God, I'm still on the pathway, I'm, I'm all, everything's fine with me. But you know it's not. And sometimes we have to step, step back. And I've been in a situation this week where, where I see somebody's in, in, in significant trouble. But actually, probably the right thing to do is to step back. Because sometimes we have to find our own rock bottom. And that's what happened to poor old Jonah. Nobody would have wished this on this funny little guy to have to go through what he went through. But it wasn't until he reached rock bottom that he realized where he'd got. And for some of us, that's the reality. Um, if we head off in a pathway that um, is not necessarily where God wants us to be, to start with, it doesn't necessarily feel bad. But we're heading off in a direction that may not be good. And we sustain ourselves. And we can deny the reality of that. Um, and sometimes we end up in a place where we have to cry out to him um, because we've walked away. Of course, the father is expectant upon our return. We only need to read the story of the prodigal son. The father waits, but he waits with expectancy. He was expecting Jonah to call out to him. Of course he was. He waits with expectancy. So, a couple of things I've written down about this story and relating it to me. Stubborn owed Jonah. <laughs> Stubborn owed me. Disobedient owed Jonah. Disobedient owed me. Foolish Jonah. Foolish me. We discover only that the Lord saves us. There's no other way back for him. He is the anchor to our souls. He is the answer to all the um, loose foundations that are going on in and around this community and in and around the lives of the people that we serve here. He's the answer to the shaky foundations across this nation. He's the answer to the unsettled nature of the world. And I find it almost unbelievable that the responsibility of conveying that message is left to foolish old me and may I say foolish old you men and women just like Jonah to carry the message of how to be anchored in God into this world that we live so I come back to my prayer what a great way to start the day and let's focus on this this morning. Almighty, let's maybe say this, if you feel comfortable, say this prayer with me. Father, almighty and everlasting Father, you've brought me safely to this day. Preserve me now by your mighty power that I may not go wrong or be overcome by adversity.
and in all I do, direct me to fulfill your purposes this day in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that we are anchored in you. Thank you, Father God, that we can rely and we can trust you in all regards. Father, we think about this. Only one thing do we ask of you. And this is the thing that we seek, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, anchored strong in him. Amen. When we have our coffee, I'm going to play you a piece of music. I'm not going to play it now, but we'll have it on in the background. I, I, I don't, anyone here like Jamie Cullum? I like Jamie Cullum. I think he's a very talented uh, young man. Um, uh, he's a great singer, very accomplished singer, jazz singer, got a lot of skills. I think his family live locally. His father was the high sheriff of Somerset, I think, at one stage. Um, so not that great. Anyway, waffling. He's just issued a new song, which I listened to this week, and it, it kind of, uh, it's called Age of Anxiety. Okay, now you think, why do I want to listen to a song about the age of anxiety? But the lyrics are quite powerful. He's writing about how actually when things get a bit shaky, how important it is for one person to hold on to another person. And even though things are a bit shaky, that kind of holding on is, is the thing that you need. Um, and, and the song is a bit of an allegory, I guess. You could listen to the song as a bit of an allegory and think, actually, that's, that's how it is with us when things are a bit shaky uh, in, our, in our mind's eye to realize that God's got his arms around us and we got our arms open to him. And uh, anyway, I'll put it on while we're having some coffee and you can listen to it or you can listen to it later. Age of Anxiety by, by Jamie Cullum. It's a great song, so I'd encourage you to listen to it. Thank you for listening to me.